This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome to welcome everybody. As we know, you know, it's hard to have conversations with people who hold different views from ours. And social media these days only seems to escalate the tension and isn't the greatest forum for meaningful dialogue. But what are we teaching our children if we don't know how to disagree or have a a conflict or a conversation that's uncomfortable? My guest today, Dr. Michael Wetter, is the author of the recently released book, Earn It!, what to do when your kid needs an entitlement intervention. He'll talk to us today about why teaching kids to disagree helps them develop skills they need and will provide tips on how we can model behavior in our own lives. Dr. Michael Wetter, welcome to the show. So, so happy to have you with me today. So happy to join you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So when I was reading your bio, I was like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this, you know, in general, because I, I deal with so many parents too that, um, that, that, you know, I think through how the world is changing, uh, you know, model behavior and create narratives and in, in these kids, uh, the kids that I work with in, in their heads, um, based upon the way they talk to themselves, the way that they, you know, show how they deal with stress. And, and so really, I, what I love, what I think you talk about a lot is the narratives. And so can you tell us a little bit about this book and, and how this came to be and kind of what your background is around narratives and, and modeling behavior? Certainly. You know, um, this book came about my, um, my co-author and I, Eileen Bailey, had just finished mm-hmm. writing a, a book prior called What Went Right. And I had been toying around with this idea about uh, entitlement and, and, if you will, diminishing entitlement behaviors uh, with, mm-hmm. in children and with parenting. Um, basically, since the day my daughter was born, over eight and a half mm-hmm. years ago, the, I think the, mm-hmm. the minute I became a parent, this, uh, this yeah. topic became a prevalent notion in my head. And sure. really was the, this idea of, you know, how will my child's role be in shaping the culture in which she lives, as well as how will the culture in which she lives shape her? And mm-hmm. through, through my work, you know, uh, both as a, as a clinical psychologist and also in some ways as a hospital administrator in the workforce, seeing how entitlement behaviors are, become more and more prevalent in our culture manifested through uh, the inability at times to converse. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. so rooted in their own opinion uh, that we neglect in some ways the, the opportunity to listen. Um, mm-hmm. And the focus, if you will, on self-need versus dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it starts with that mm-hmm. first grab, you know, to the toy when you're in the, in the stroller or in the shopping cart. And it could right. end with, you know, uh, a, an adult in their 30s or 40s moving back in with the parents because they didn't get the job they felt they deserved. Right. And, right. you know, everything in between. So that, that really mm-hmm. is what informed my desire to, to engage in this topic. Yeah, you know, when you, uh, I just want for our audience, the people that don't really, you know, don't really understand maybe the word entitlement, just to just to clarify a little bit, because that that word entitlement, you know, is used with an 
within our lives in different ways at times. But really, it, it it's such I think there's so many multi layers underneath that word. Um, because it could it could mean being selfish, self serving, it could also mean, um, you know, feeling that you, you know, we need instant gratification right now, we need things done immediately. I mean, I work with, you know, people in recovery, uh, a lot of times, the population is 18 through 30. And they are very entitled in terms of they want things quick, they have no patience, they, they want to have two years of sobriety, the second day they're sober. They want um, their parents to forgive them, uh, you know, the first day they enter a treatment center. You know, so I, I just want to talk to that or speak to that just in a moment, just to for people out there that aren't familiar with the word entitlement. Absolutely. Entitlement brings with it a lot of a lot of baggage, positive and negative, right? you know, with this, yeah. in the legal sense. You know, we're entitled to these rights. Uh, right. You know, and, and entitlement as a term isn't necessarily... Uh, a bad thing, but mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of people also will associate entitlement with affluence. And mm-hmm. I have, you know, like a, a spoiled kid, you know, or a spoiled right, exactly. individual. And I, I, rude, I tend yeah. uh-huh. exactly, and I tend to believe that entitlement is not about affluence so much as it's about attitude. It's mm. about, in some ways, the the inability to appreciate um, mm-hmm. the, the work the work that has to go into the end goal. And to neglect gratitude for what one has uh, accomplished totally. uh, or what yeah. has uh, in their life. And right. you're absolutely right. You know, we could sit here all day and discuss the various definitions of entitlement and what it means. And there's no one universal meaning. But that's where I go more towards the attitude. Um, and I think that in many ways, what you're, what you're referring to and very much what, what, what we're referring to in, in our book is the fact the, enti- the entitled attitude, meaning the impatience that goes with making sure that self-needs are, are satisfied immediately, um, often to the neglect of the needs of others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, the, the words you brought up that, you know, always pop out to me too is, is gratitude and also being humble, being humble and, and being kind to people and treating people as you would want to be treated. And just these basic, um, these basic, you know, things, thank God I was taught at a young age that I think some of us, um, we, we are taught this, but we forget through, through how, even how this world is changing right now. Um, and I know through social media, I was just on a panel, um, talking about, uh, you know, social media dangers in, in terms of like kids and, and, you know, there's so many, there's so much information out there. There's so much that, that the kids are now taking in that they weren't, you know, when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. have, did you do any research into that and really like how the world is rapidly changing in terms of technology and, and, and how it just socially, um, you know, well, like I, I, I had just, Yeah. No, I was going to say, I, absolutely, and I, I think your yeah. points are good ones, because the world and technology is changing at a faster pace than we can often adapt to. You know, exactly. um, there's even a section we refer to, and I think it's called, you know, sticks and stones may, may break my bones, but social media lasts forever. You know, <laughs> and this, this notion that I think, even, you know, adults are finally just beginning to learn this, but I think mm-hmm. kids need to be also reminded of this, which is, you know, it used to be when you would make a comment to somebody, that comment would stick in the mind, you know, of of of, of yourself and perhaps others, and and you could play it over and over again in your mind, but it, it would remain private in that regard. Now, mm-hmm. anything that is communicated over social media is fodder for for a lifetime to come. It doesn't mm-hmm. go away, and mm-hmm. I don't 
fully think or believe that people appreciate the permanence of that mm-hmm. and the consequences that it can have, positive mm-hmm. and negative, but mm-hmm. that it, it exists out there. And so there's also, I think, when it comes to social media, when it comes to entitlement, and when it comes to sort of accountability, there's a certain safety in anonymity and mm-hmm. a lack of accountability that comes with it. And, yeah. it, you know, the, the challenge I issue to many people who use social media, I say, would you post the same comment? Would you make the same statement if attached to that statement was your full name, address, and telephone mm. number? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and, it, you know, I, I'm willing to bet that half of social media would shut down if that were the yeah. case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I have two cousins that are 14 and 15. And, and I remember recently, they we were all on a trip together, they posted a picture and they didn't get enough likes fast enough. So she erased it and was crying. And, and she looked horrible, she thought and oh, my gosh, it was like a total break uh, meltdown of anxiety. And, and I was like, I cannot believe this, you know, it just to me, it was it was like, where is this narrative coming from that you're not worthy of uh, a picture you're or you're not pretty enough. And I and I know where it comes from. But 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 what you know, and I know you speak a lot about anxiety, and, and all of this is so interconnected. But uh, you know, I, I, you know, the narrative. I know that it starts at a young age, and and usually. Um, you know, within our families, we kind of see in the context of what a relationship is, what love is, what education is, you know, based on what our parents mirror to us. But nowadays, I feel like, you know, socially and through all the information being taken in um, outside of your family unit and outside of the school and everything um, is is now even more detrimental to the narrative as well. Like before it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it was just well, kind of like the family. Well, it's, right? it's, kind, of, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, before cable TV, there were four channels you would watch, you know, yes. um, and yes. you would have to get up and turn the, you know, turn the TV knob to change down. Now there's, you know, literally thousands of, of, of programs. And the same is true with now social media. Now you don't even have to be in front of the TV to be exposed to anything. Everything is right there in front of you. You know, yeah. and, and I, I do have a fundamental belief that it, it still remains our responsibility as parents to be the filter. Yeah. You know, for what yeah. gets modeled and what gets communicated. Um, right. You know, for example, totally. you know, my my daughter Leah. Uh, I have no problem her watching certain TV shows, but you can better believe I'm sitting with her right there while yeah. we're watching it. Same goes with you know, um, for example, YouTube. Okay, whether you're on right. the iPad right. or the iPhone or right. Galaxy, whatever whatever your platform is. Okay, that, yeah. that you're using to access uh, social media. What are they watching? Making sure that you have a vested interest in understanding what they're watching and then having the dialogue with them like, what did you take away from that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, in terms it, yeah. of anxiety too, though, to, to, yeah. you know, to, to track anxiety for our kids, because I feel like anxiety, you know, obviously, um, high anxiety cause I think trauma is traumatic for some people. And, you know, that exposure over and over and over again, where your nervous system just can't, you know, it's not, you know, not doing well with this kind of exposure to something. You know, I try to tell clients too, like if, if you're looking at Instagram and the, the person's account is making you feel anxious because you're comparing yourself to this person or, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we have to educate and, and, make people aware that like you don't have to follow this person and you don't have to allow this person to be making comments to you like unfollow them or if you're being bullied like you know I have kids that are being bullied all the time I mean it's just it's just the anxiety that I think is created um without without teaching them and showing them there's ways to have boundaries for themselves and there's ways to implement non-negotiables for themselves and they could stand up to people you know I mean all that has to be talked about as well 
Correct. And what we're really talking mm-hmm. about is building resiliency in our children. Yes, and, we, yes. and we specifically, you know, uh, talk about that and, and review that. And, you know, resiliency in many ways is, is the antidote to anxiety. And learning how to make those thoughtful decisions and learning how to both engage and and appropriately disengage uh, so that we're not trapped. Because let, let's face it, social media is, is not only is it seductive, but nowadays mm. it's, it's sort of how people literally quantitatively sort of seem to measure their value, measure their worth. Okay? I only mm. got... 15 likes, but the person over there got 150 likes. So I must mm-hmm. not be as valuable. I must not be as popular or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely mm-hmm. seductive and, it, and, and, and it's hard to move away from that. But, you know, again, how do you build the resiliency in your child, whether it's an infant, adolescent, young adult, how do you build that resiliency? And it's not done over social media. It's done through parenting. It's done through life experiences. It's done mm-hmm. through communication and how we model that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dr. Wetter, yeah, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break and uh, tell you a little bit about our wonderful sponsors. Organifi is how I upgrade my nutrition when I'm on the road. Every single person needs to have green superfood supplements in their life because even when you're eating really healthy, your veggies lose a ton of their nutritional value just sitting on the shelf for days before you eat them. Not a lot of us have time or the means to get all natural, fresh, organic vegetables, especially when building a business, which is why I love to use Organifi green juice. It's so quick and easy and it tastes so great. Try out their green juice for 20% using the code rewired at checkout on Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. The link is posted in all of our shows. Okay, uh, Dr. Wetter, I also have a question for you, the next one, which is huge. When you were just talking about self-worth and, uh, well, what I, th- what I call self-worth, um, <laughs> which is resiliency and self-worth, I, you know, it, it's parenting, um, but also if, if we don't think we're worthy of uh, love in our lives, if we don't think we're worthy of, um, you know, es- esteem and, and all these things, like how, how detrimental is it? And, and I mean, I, I know it's it, it, very much so, but how do we get begin to like teach kids that they're worth something no matter what, that their life is worthy of uh, and they're and they're worthy of all these things that, that come in life to them? Well, you know, it, it, it's a great question. And not, not only is it a great question, it's an important question. You know, yeah. uh, it begins, starts with, and really ends at home. You know, yeah. if, if children don't feel loved and valued by their parents, by their family unit, mm-hmm. they're not going to feel it themselves. They're not going to internalize that quality. Okay, that, That's mm-hmm. the ultimate narrative that we're talking about. And that's yes. demonstrated in many ways. I mean, simply saying I love you is one way of doing it, but it's not enough. It's also, mm-hmm. you know, echoing it through things such as I believe in you. I trust you, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. I, I have faith in you. You know, when my mm-hmm. daughter goes to school on a, on a day of a test, uh, I tell her, I, you know, I say, good luck, but I also say, you know what? I believe in you. I know you studied hard, and I, I have faith that you're going to do Aww. your best. I love it, And yeah. those are the kind of things that instill a sense of not only resiliency, but self-worth, okay? Right. Um, and after, you know, she gets a test back, I don't, you know, I will say if she does well, I'll say, you know, proud of you. If she doesn't do well, I'll say, okay, what do we learn from it? But if she does well, I'll say, I'm proud of you. I'll supplement with saying, I hope you feel proud of what you achieved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And instilling yeah. that sense of self-reflection. 
Again, not about yes, being yes. arrogant, you know. No. Uh, it's, it's about no. you worked hard. I hope you can yes. appreciate the outcome of working hard. Yeah. But also, you know, you have to be your own champion in life. You have to be taught that Absolutely. you are your own. You have to be your own biggest. You have to you have to talk to yourself in kind ways. You have to love yourself. You have to be compassionate to yourself. Right. This is the problem with with the people I see a lot of a lot of times is that they don't have that. And that's really what creates the self betrayal, the feel of the hole inside of themselves spiritually. Right. You know, it's a major problem. Well, and I think there's also we have to sort of discuss where the line gets blurred, because I think some people feel that attending to themselves is selfish. And I I always make the distinction between self-care versus selfish. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important, I'll usually use the analogy of, you know, when you travel on a plane, you know, you sit down and they they get over the loudspeaker with their spiel of, you know, in the event we lose cabin pressure, you know, masks will fall from the ceiling. Uh, You know, and the instruction is, is if you're traveling with a child, you know, put yours on first as the parent and then assist your child. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not about being selfish. That's about you maintaining self-care so that you can assist somebody else. Selfish is reaching over and taking the kid's mask and putting it on your own face. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. learning to recognize what actions are we taking in our own lives that are towards self-care uh, versus that are selfish. Selfish are usually, take, you know, focusing on your needs at the neglect of somebody else's needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, in, in any population we deal with, we always have to make that distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And, and you know, the self-care um, and, and like you said, that that positive regard for yourself is important to, to say, like, good job. You just you made your bed. You took a shower. Mm-hmm. You passed this test. I mean, to be taught that, too, is very important because I, I feel like, you know, I'll say that to a client and they'll say, oh, that's so silly. Everybody should make their bed. Everybody should do this. I said, yeah, but but, you know, you still have to congratulate yourself and talk to yourself in kind ways and not, you know, people do their best. But some people have really bad days and they're not feeling great. And it is hard for them to take a shower or make their bed and leave the house, you know? So mm-hmm. just to be grateful that you could do those things or again, a gratitude journals, just to be present and, and mindfulness exercises of, of oh, wow, I just, and ab- you know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. gratitude cannot be emphasized enough. And I think that we, yeah. we neglect to do that in our day-to-day things. You know, again, even when we, we bring it back to sort of modeling for our children, uh, you know, a, a very simple statement such as, you know, um, I'll, I'll say with Leah, you know, today you get to go to school. Mm-hmm. Okay. She goes, no, I have to mm-hmm. go to school. No, you don't have to. There are a lot of people right. in this world who don't get to, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll even model it by saying today I get to go to work. And she goes, you know, you get to go to work. I said, yes, there's some people who would, you know, who, who fight right. every day to try to get a job, you know? Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And so we, you know, we tend to sort of gloss over this. And it's so easy for parents to say, oh, God, I wish I didn't have to work. You know, oh, God, I wish I didn't have to go to school. Let's be grateful for what we have, because if you didn't have a job to go to, if you didn't have a school to go to, you know, um, it's not about using that example, you know, finish off your dinner plate because there's kids starving in China. You know, reel it back to the relatable, you know, and that is, you know, we, we have gratitude in the things that sometimes we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, so the intervention seems to be not only for the kids, but for the parents, because, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's like cha- changing your language as a parent. I mean, most of the times it does fall back on on what kind of language we do use around our children and, um, you know, it, and being mindful of your words and how they do impact kids. And I mean, even you just saying I get to go to work is it, it just that slight change. It reframes that whole idea. Um, well, and it's I, more. Yeah, it's incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I used to, you know, my, my practice initially started off working with children. And mm-hmm. as I, as I, you know, grew into and, and got more experience, I realized I'm talking more with the parents than I am with the child, because that's really where it starts. It starts with right. the parents. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in order to intervene with your child at any age, by the way, it doesn't matter. It, we're not talking about just infancy and toddlerhood. You know, sure. we're talking about infancy, adolescence, young adulthood. You know, in order to start an intervention, you have to look at yourself first as a parent. Because uh, as I made the comment before, it starts always with the home, and the parents are the are the primary, you know, mm-hmm. if you will, influence in the home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely, or you know, and even with you know, I, I so I, I have a book um, that was published called Rewired, and and mm-hmm. I I also teach this program at different treatment centers, and what what I have found is is that um, you know a lot of the times. The rewiring, um, it, you know, is like put on the kids, you know, the, the parents will drop off some of their kids that are in recovery right now to me and they'll say like this, per, you know, our kids did this and they did this to me and they did horrible. And, and meanwhile, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. And really, it's the parents that need to, to be rewired in a sense and reframe and see, you know, the, the roles, the, the role like the, this child is the black sheep of the family or the problem of the family. And, you know, and then their their own behaviors aren't even talked about or, you know, they'll, they'll have kids uh, kids come in that don't have families that were raised by a grandmother or a single parent, uh, you know, and, and joined a gang. And that was the the adult influence or an older cousin who was into drugs, who was the the adult of the family, you know. So there's so many different, I guess, family dynamics and, and issues around the families that we have to also uh, take into account that not everybody is raised, you know, kind of with a mom and a dad. Absolutely. And and, and again, I think it reflects back to whatever that dynamic is. Start looking at what is the communication within that system, within that dynamic. Mm -hmm. And again, what's the Mm -hmm. story you're saying? And I think another key takeaway for parents is you have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, consistency consistency Mm -hmm. breeds habits. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Totally. And so with anxiety, I know you, you did you, you a theory on anxiety transmission. I, I, I read a little bit about um, hmm. and, you know, I, I, I could do we could do a whole nother show on all of this. Um, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because anxiety is so prevalent, I think, in, in well, with every person I, I talk to, it just depends on the extreme of their anxiety. Um, but but how do you help people deal with anxiety? Is there any just basic in general, I know we could get into this much deeper, but in general, h- how do you help people see that their like, anxiety is outside themselves, or how, is there like a trick to talk to yourself through it, or well, any, well any speaking as audience? a speaking as a fellow neurotic myself, okay, oh, okay. I think that you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, every day labeling yourself, absolutely, yeah. you know, um, yeah. the, the 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 issue is is everybody's anxiety is is different along a spectrum. And I think right, based right. on where you are on the spectrum, that that will sort of help to narrow down what would be the, the helpful intervention and or uh, tactic. That being said, I find a very helpful takeaway to be sort of looking at every situation in, in the sense of possibility versus probability. Uh, very often, we uh, anxiety is based on the fact that something could happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that I'll be late for work? Is it possible that I'll get pulled over by the police? Is it possible mm-hmm. that I'll develop cancer? Is it possible that I'll lose my family or that I'll die? Yeah, right. all those things are possible. But right. then we have to scale it back and say, what's the probability of that actually happening? Mm-hmm. And then looking, is your worry consistent and appropriate based on that probability? 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So if maybe you it's a are, person. Let's say, for example, yeah. a person. Like, so if you're afraid a person is going to leave you or cheat on you or you know something yeah. like that, um, it, the the possibility. Yeah, these are possible. Someone could abandon you one day and leave you. Someone could cheat yeah. on you one day. But probability you're saying is has their behavior ever exhibited anything close to to that has have they ever done that in the past to you or anyone else and and then if it's if it's a no then are these fears coming from an old story are these fears coming from something you had witnessed in your childhood where where does this right okay correct and in the assessment of that and you made a very important distinction which is has that person ever done those things not has that ever happened to you before Right, right. Okay. Well, cause because that's not you have fair, to make right? that yeah. exactly. You have to assess the probability of the behavior based on the person you're referring to, not your experience. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, so you ha- base ha- information ha- on the yeah. data. Uh huh. And so, what if that doesn't? Even though the probability, you could say to yourself, "Well, you know, I, I mean, in my right mind, I know the probability is low, but yet I still have anxiety." How, you know what I mean? Because I, I feel like I that, hear this. But that, a lot. That's where we start to engage in more self-talk. Which is, uh-huh. I know that there's a there's a a a one percent chance that this person could betray me, but I know there's a ninety nine percent chance that they won't. Yet I'm feeling a hundred percent anxious. Why is that? Okay. So uh-huh. what do I uh-huh. need to do? I I need to talk to someone. Maybe I need to bring this up in therapy. Maybe I need to talk to my partner about this and explain to them that I actually believe that they're not going to do this, but my that my anxiety is irrational. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. sometimes bringing that out into the open, bringing that out for discussion, sharing mm-hmm. it, making it known mm-hmm. helps mm-hmm. to diminish the intensity. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's a wonderful suggestion and it's f- fantastic. Uh, Dr. Wetter, thank you so much for everything today. And, and, and please tell everybody well, where they could find your book. It's called Earn It, um, What to Do When Your Kid Needs an Entitlement Intervention. And please tell everybody how to find you, website, and, and where to find the book. Sure. You can find me or even get the book at my website. It's, it's a very narcissistic website. It's drwetter.com. Uh, very, very entitled. Uh, you could also go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, any major uh, book retailer. You can certainly find the book. Um, but I, I certainly encourage you to, to go to any of those domains. And if you have any questions, certainly you can reach me on my webpage as well. Okay, awesome. That's wonderful. You were so so great to have you on. I'd love to talk to you more. Um, Dr. Michael Wetter, uh, you're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining me and stay well.